0: All right, great to be with your church family on this Time Change Sunday. Anyone here ever read Chronicles of Narnia before? What a great series. I love those books. Of course, uh, written by C.S. Lewis, who wrote a bunch of children's books inspired by his Christian faith. If you haven't read the Chronicles of Narnia, I'm tempted to say just leave now, go downstairs to the church library, get the books, and start reading them. But uh, maybe instead I could just tell you about one of my favorite scenes in the entire series. There's a young girl named Lucy, and she uh, encounters this, this great big lion named Aslan. And it's been about a year since she's seen Aslan. And she noticed that Aslan looks bigger. And this is what she says. This is the conversation. Aslan says, Lucy, you're bigger. That's because you're older, little one, answered he. Not because you are. I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. And I've always thought uh, that that's not just a statement about Lucy, but, but really C.S. Lewis is giving us an insight into our own relationship with God. And uh, that every year of our life, every year we grow in our faith, we should find God bigger. And maybe you're here today and you might be hurting, or maybe you're uh, exhausted. Maybe you feel alone or afraid. Maybe you've set out to do uh, big things, even hard things, and today you just feel a little anxious, or, or maybe um, the demands of your life are, are greater than the strength that, it feels, that you feel like you have. And uh, when our circumstances look big, we just want to remind them that our God is bigger. And he will give us strength. And We remember the promise that Lucy makes to Aslan. Every year you grow, you will find me bigger. And you will find God bigger today. I want to talk to you about the bigness of our God. We're in a series, a new series that we started last week here at Hope on the second half of the book of Isaiah from chapters 40 to 66. It's a series we're calling The God. You can trust. We can trust our God because He is a big God. And last week we started out in Isaiah chapter 40. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open it up to Isaiah chapter 40. That's where we'll be today. We looked last week at the first 11 verses, Isaiah 40 verses 1 through 11, and we saw uh, God really bringing us good news. We saw good news. Comfort my people, said God, because God is coming. He will more than forgive our sins. We saw that in verse 9, Isaiah 40, verse 9. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Here we have Isaiah proclaiming the gospel to those who need hope. He's proclaiming good news to those who need strength. He invites us to behold our God. You see that? Shout out the good news. Here is your God. Behold our God. Isaiah is saying take a long steady look at the power and the presence and the magnificence of our incomparable God. But we're going to do that today as Isaiah continues on, because the rest of chapter 40, Isaiah begins to tell us about a God who is above all comparison, right? Nothing can compare to our God. He is an amazing and awesome God. And theme verse for today comes from Isaiah 40, 25, where God says, to whom will you compare me? We have a big, awesome God. I want you to see today we have an incomparable God, a God beyond all comparison. And I hope you'll see two things. Number one, we serve a God of incomparably great power. And number two, he gives strength to those who believe. If you need strength today, you have a big, big God. In other words, the measure of God's strength is immeasurable. And we can tap into that. How awesome is that? Well, let's look at our scripture today Isaiah 40, 12 through 31. We'll read it, we'll pray, we will dive in. Isaiah 40, 12, continuing on. Say to the towns of Judah, Here is your God. Well, here he is. Verse 12 Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the Spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as His counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten Him? Or who taught Him the right way? Who was it that taught Him knowledge or showed Him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They're regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor is its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? What image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metalworker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He who sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to Nod and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them, and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps over them, sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or whom is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens, Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? and not be faint. Wow. It's the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. God, who is like you? You are an awesome, awe-inspiring, incredible God. And I pray today that you would open our eyes to your strength and your power for those who believe. Uh, so many times, God, we, we don't think very big of you or think much of you. But today, we're asking You would overwhelm us with your presence, overwhelm us with a vision that will strengthen us for the challenges we face. We need you, God. Speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Isaiah asks, who is like our God? To whom can we compare him? And the answer is, no one, one. nothing. Nobody compares, right? Nobody comes close. We serve a God of incomparably great power. We have a God beyond all comparison, superior above all things in every way. And rather than going verse by verse here through some of the themes that we read, I just want to highlight four ways we see God's power in these verses here in chapter 40. Uh, We see God's power, number one, in creation, we see God's power in creation. Verse 12. Who has measured the water in the hollow of his hand, with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? He who, ha- he who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance. Uh, we had some, some amazing weather on Friday. starting to warm up. And then, of course, we got blasted with this cold. But, you know, starting to get ready for... You know, going to the beach and thinking about that and, you know, have you ever gone to the beach and then looked out on the vast ocean and just thought to yourself, look at all that water. It is a lot of water out there on the ocean. I mean, think about it. 70% of the surface of the earth is covered by the waters of the ocean. 80% of that water still remains unexplored. If you took all the water on earth and dumped it on the United States, you know, the United States is pretty big. We dump all that water on the United States. It would cover us to a depth of 107 feet. But if you give all that water to God, Isaiah says he can measure it in the palm of his hand. Go ahead, hold out your hand. Would you do that and just try it out? Feel that little hollow in your hand. Imagine all the water on earth right there in the hollow of your hand. That's how big God is. Isn't that pretty amazing? He is an awesome God. It goes on. Verse 22 says, He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. What if we could zoom out a little bit on the earth? What would it look like? We don't have to imagine because, uh, you know, um, back in... We get pictures of the earth all the time, but uh, back in 1990, Voyager 1 was actually drifting off to be lost into outer space forever. And, and Voyager 1 turned around and took one more snapshot at the Earth, like the ultimate selfie, like, hey, look at us, you know. And, and uh, this is a picture of the Earth from 3.7 billion miles away. Hey, look at us. You guys see us on that picture? We live on that tiny little speck. Earth in this photo is just a pale blue dot. The picture is famously called the pale blue dot. It's just a pixel in a very giant photo. You almost would, it's almost invisible, you know, if you don't know where to look for it. And when I just begin to think, I am a microscopic dot on that microscopic dot with seven billion other people. Compared with the greatness of our God. Who are we? We see His power in creation. Here's another one. Verse 25 and 26. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Great questions here. I think sometimes we just got to go outside. And we got to look around at the universe Around us, how amazing you know the world is and all that's created. We got to ask that powerful question: who created all these? Who made life? Who who brought this forth? The universe itself points powerfully and persuasively to a creator God. He goes on. He says, Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. The Earth, the sun, and all the planets around us are part of a galaxy called the Milky Way galaxy. Now scientists have never been able to zoom all the way out on our galaxy and take a picture, but the good folks at NASA have put some composite photos together, and they say our universe looks a little bit like this. It's a barred spiral galaxy. And uh, within that galaxy are, are all the stars that we see at night. Did you know that? All the stars we see at night are from our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. How many stars are there? Well, it's difficult to count, isn't it? But scientists would tell us there's about a billion stars just in our Milky Way galaxy. Think about that. And then you go beyond our galaxy, and scientists say there's a hundred billion more galaxies, each with a hundred billion stars. That's mind boggling, right? And Isaiah says God calls forth each one of them by name. That's how awesome our God is. And that same God who calls forth each of the stars by name, well, he knows. Your name. He knows you. He calls you forth by name. It's our incomparable God. We see God's power in creation in Isaiah chapter 40. Number two, we see God's power in his knowledge, in creation, in his knowledge. This is verse 13. Who can fathom the Spirit of the Lord? Or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? A lot of great questions there. Just telling us God's incomparable in his knowledge. No one counsels God. No one teaches God the right way. God has all knowledge, get this, on all subjects. How about that, students? use a little bit of that. Yeah, that's that's God. His all knowledge on all subjects, all wisdom and all power. And I love what James tells us. He says you're going through a trial? Need some wisdom? Go to the Lord. Ask the Lord for wisdom. He gives generously. Need some wisdom today? We have a God of unfathomable wisdom and knowledge. We see God's power number 1 in creation. Number two, in his knowledge. Number three, we see God's power over the nations. Isaiah 40, 15, and 17. Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They're regarded as dust on the scales. Isn't that a crazy image? Dust on the scales. Not even like a solid, it's just the dust on the scales. Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. What are the nations of the earth compared with his power? Think about it. Make America great again. When compared with the creator, what are we? This is we're nothing, we're less than nothing, dust on the scales. Verse 23 and 24. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Think about all the great powers down throughout history. Isaiah talks about the four beasts in the book of Daniel. You have Babylon and Persia, Greece and Rome, those nations, they're gone. All the great empires down throughout history, they've all vanished, every one of them, and there'll be more They'll, that will vanish too. Because in the eyes of the Creator, the nations are as nothing. They're dust on the scales. You just breathe and it vanishes. That's the greatness of our God, the greatness. Of who he is. We see his greatness in creation. We see his greatness in his knowledge. We see his greatness over all the nations. We see his greatness, last one, over the idols. Verse 18. To whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it. So we're talking about here, when we're talking about idols, we're talking about human created spirituality right there they're going to an idol maker saying hey would you put something together for me to worship and a metal worker casts it a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it a person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will rot they look for a worker to set it up set up an idol that will not topple and we could take a long time today talking about idols and what they are and you know, how idols weren't just something that happened back then. We, we can have idols in our own heart. We exchange the glory of God for created things. We can worship, put created things above creator God. We can all do that. Things like money and material possessions and uh, technology, beauty, sexuality, all of those things. And those certainly are idols of our heart. But idolatry can just be any sort of human-constructed spirituality, whether that's New Age spirituality, mindfulness, false religion, whatever it is. Why would we look to, to human-constructed spirituality when we have the power of the living God? We worship a God of, of incomparable and unmatchable power. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our spiritual pursuit. So Isaiah is describing the bigness of God in many different ways. He is incomparable, unmistakable, powerful. We see his power, four, four themes he hits on. Number one, in creation, by way of summary, in his knowledge, over nations and political history, over our nation, over the idols and every form of human spirituality. Psalm 143 declares, Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. I love this line. His greatness no one can fathom. That's how big, how awesome, and how powerful our God is. His greatness no one can fathom. Unfathomable greatness. Unfathomable power. It's our God. We serve a God of unfathomable power. Number two. God gives incomparably great power to those who believe. I love this. Isaiah now turns from talking about the greatness of God, not not in the strength of who he is, but now in the strength of what he gives. God gives immeasurable strength to those who believe. And and many times we have moments where we need strength. I'm tired of, of all the work, tired of all the schoolwork. I'm tired of this sickness, tired of, you know, the difficult child, whatever it is. We all find ourselves in situations where we need strength, strength from outside of us, strength from the Lord. We, maybe we begin sounding a little bit like, like uh, this in Isaiah forty twenty seven. I where Isaiah goes next. I know I do. Verse uh, 27, why do you complain, O Jacob? Ever been there? Man, I have. Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord My cause is disregarded by my God. And and I just read that. I go, man, have we ever been there before? Have we ever felt that way? We're complaining about circumstances or wondering what God is doing, lacking the strength. It's too hard. We find ourselves in this pattern in our life and we don't want to be in that pattern. So how do we get out of that pattern? Number one, we want to We want to see the bigness of our God. Number one, we want to remember who God is. Isaiah 48. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. So Isaiah says, do you not know? Have you not heard? He can say that because he's just finished saying how awesome God is. He's like, I told you once, I'll tell it again. Remember who our God is. He's the creator of the earth. He's the everlasting God. We grow weary, He doesn't get weary. We grow tired, He doesn't get tired. We get confused, He has the understanding that no one can fathom. That's our God. So if we want to get out of this pattern of complaining and what is God doing, and I. This is too hard. It starts with remembering the bigness of our God. He is a God we cannot fathom. He is the everlasting God. So number one, remember who God is. He said it once, he'll say it again. Number two, trust in his promises. We now come to one of my favorite promises in the entire Bible, Isaiah 40, 29. Uh, The first Bible I had had a, a Bible cover and it had a little eagle on it, you know, like got the... Some of these promises out there. But uh, Isaiah 40, 29, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Notice God's promise here says he gives strength to the weary. Well, what's God's promise? He promises strength. Strength can be defined as the ability to keep moving forward in the midst of adversity, in the midst of pain, in the midst of obstacles. He gives us strength. Strength. God never promises to get us out of difficulty, but he always promises to give us the strength to get through the difficulty. We need strength. What's the solution? Verse 31: those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I need strength today. And I want to invite you to come to the Lord. Spend time in his presence daily. Open the word. I right? meet with him. He will renew your strength. I refuse to waste any more energy worrying about tomorrow and focus all of your energy in trusting God today. He renews our strength. Other translations say those who wait on the Lord. Not just waiting, we're waiting on the Lord, renewing our strength, trusting in his promise. Those who hope in the Lord, it lifts us up on wings like eagles. I love that image, right? And we all want eagles' wings. But did you notice the verbs here? See, I wish it would say, you got the scripture in front of you, I wish it would say, we will walk, we will run, we will soar. You know what that would mean? That would mean, as I'm trusting God, my life is just getting easier and easier and easier. I'm walking, now I'm running, now I'm soaring, baby. Eagle's wings! (laughs) Thank you. But it doesn't say that, right? The verbs are just the opposite. They will soar. They will run. They will walk means we continue to trust God, even as it gets harder and harder and harder. And we soar. And when we can't soar anymore, He gives us the strength to run. And when we can't run anymore, He gives us the strength to walk. And we keep moving forward. Young men stumble and fall. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And people will look at our lives and they'll say, I don't know how you made it through that. And you'll say, you know what? Couldn't have done it. But God gave me the strength and I kept moving forward. He gives strength to the weary and those who hope in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. God promises incomparably great power for those who believe. This is not natural strength. This is not human strength. This is the strength that comes from God. We see Paul actually praying these exact words, which is where where I get these words from. Paul's great prayer for us. Don't you love some of those prayers in Ephesians? And uh, in Ephesians 1.19, Paul prays for believers. And he says, I pray that you'll know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. I hope you see it. God has incomparably great power for those who believe. He has incomparably great power for those who trust in him. Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you put your hope in him? And he went to the cross. He forgives our sins. And God raised him from the dead. He is exalted at the right hand of heaven himself, offering eternal life to those who believe. And not only eternal life, but he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we might have the same power in us that raised Jesus from the dead that's the power he has for us who believe we serve a god of incomparably great power and he gives incomparably great power to those who believe a baseball movie came out in 2002 called the rookie anyone ever seen the rookie Uh, If you haven't, you need to go home this afternoon, put on The Rookie, and do that while you're reading C.S. Lewis. Both, at the same time. Rookie, C.S. Lewis. If you've never seen The Rookie, it tells the incredible true story of Jim Morris. And uh, Jim Morris had a dream of playing Major League Baseball, wanted to pitch for a Major League Baseball team. He made it all the way to the minors. And then his career suddenly ended, ended with a shoulder injury. And that was it. So he went on to become a high school math teacher. And then he coached baseball, the high school baseball team, just to stay involved in this sport that he loved. Well, he would pitch to the players and they would see his talent. And uh, finally, some of the players on the team uh, put a challenge out. And they said, hey, if we, if we go on to win the championship this year, then you, Jim Morris, have to try out for the Tampa Bay Blue Devil, or Devil Rays. Sorry, I'm not a sports guy, but Tampa Bay Devil Rays. So he's like, yeah, they're, you know, this team isn't all that great, so probably not going to make it. And even if they do, well, I just have to try out and that'll be it. So there's this, this whole deal going on. And there's a really great scene in the movie where Jim Morris is driving in his pickup truck late one night on a deserted highway. It's dark, and he comes across one of those radar speed signs on the side of the road. And he begins to wonder, you know, do I have the strength? He's 35 years old, and he's thinking about this deal. You know, he might have to try out for a team. He's just wondering, you know, is my arm strong enough? Do I still have the strength? He pulls over on the side of the road, in front of this radar speed sign, he grabs his baseball, grabs his baseball mitt, and he faces the sign, and he winds up, and he unleashes the fastest pitch that he can throw. The speed sign stares blankly for a second, and then it flashes 76. 76 miles an hour. That sounds pretty awesome to me, but if you're a Major League Baseball picture, that's, that's not that great. And so, you know, feeling just disappointed and a little just dejected, Jim Morris walks past the sign to pick up his baseball. And what he doesn't see is that as he walks past the sign, the seven begins to flicker, and it transforms into a nine. 76 mile an hour fastball was actually, because the seven, the nine, actually a 96 mile an hour fastball, which is, that's a fastball. His arm was stronger than he ever dared to imagine. Let me ask you. You believe in the resurrected Jesus Christ you have the Spirit of God living inside of you today. You're stronger than you know. You're stronger than you think you are. You have an incomparably powerful God who gives incomparable strength to those who believe. There's, there's a lot more inside of you than you realize or think. Stronger than you think you are. Let's pray. God, we need your strength. And sometimes when we we get to that point where our tank is empty, and yet, so many times, that's exactly where you want us to be because it's in those moments we reach out to find a strength in you that we never imagined was possible. So I pray that you would comfort us today with your presence. I pray that you would strengthen us today in the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't pretend that what we're going through is easy or manageable or or that the obstacles aren't real. But what we do today, Lord, is we bring them to you. And we put our hope in the Lord. We put our trust in the Lord. And we ask God that in this moment as we worship you this morning, that you would renew our strength, empower us by the Holy Spirit to face things we cannot face on our own. And we know that in the end the glory will go to you, not to ourselves because we couldn't have done it without you. Thank you, God, today that because of you we're stronger than we think we are. So give us the strength to move forward. Give us the strength to walk in victory. Thank you that we will not be defeated by the adversity that comes our way because you are with us. You know our name. You call us forth today, now. You're worthy of our trust because you are a God bigger, more powerful, and more glorious than we could ever imagine trust you. We trust you, God. Thank you. You've, you've given us the strength, not only of your presence, but the strength of a church family. Help us to walk with brothers and sisters in Christ and to hold each other up. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.